This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Postmortem Studios. Hey, what more can we say about our friend Grim Jim and all of his books? I want to take a moment to focus on the big bad daddy of them all, Whitechester, the prison city of the damned. Who wouldn't love to just tear through a giant city that's filled with undead from the freaking comet that came? Uh, it, it's truly one of, in my opinion, Jim's best works and a really fun time to play. Now, if DCC is your jam, Jim has released the Whitechester DCC Conversion Guide. Plus, there's all sorts of new content you've got. So head on over to postmort.com. That's P-O-S-T hyphen M-O-R-T dot com and check out everything he's got. Prefer it in print? Go to Lulu and search for the book of your choice. Postmortem stuff is top-notch. Grim has been in the business for 20 years, and we know that he can provide something really cool for your table. Now, on with the show. Everybody, my name is Ryan David, and you have tuned in once again to Nerd Cognito. Why? Because I said so, and I'm the DM. Uh, welcome, <laughs> everybody. Uh, we're really glad that you did tune in this week. We've got a lot of interesting stuff happening this week, but I can't do it alone. I do need my two partners in crime, starting with my good friend, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? I, it's going good. I didn't know if you were having a stroke or something there. There was a little bit of a delay. Um, how, your week going well? Uh, pretty good. You know, I did a little fishing. I did a little gaming. It's been a good week. Good, 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 good. We also have my good friend, Kyle. Hey, Kyle, what's going on? Oh, look what the cat dragged in. That was a great poison album. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. God, can you imagine being one of those guys back then? <laughs> knee deep in cash and puss holy shit yeah yep. oh uh did your week go well since you know a couple days ago we had the debut episode which really episode two it just means we just came up with a name for it uh it's the debut episode of the nerd cognito saturday speakeasy uh, i thought that went really well you know for a, a free form just shooting the shit conversation um we had a lot of fun again and folks are providing really good feedback to it so people are tuning in go figure <laughs> yeah it's uh well you know for those that don't know it's live on twitter and uh so you know it's not a youtube thing you're not watching it on any other platform i have a lot of fun with it i hope that carries through yeah. and uh people enjoy it it does exclusively stream to Twitter, and uh, the, I guess if people have given some constructive criticism, it's why the hell are you guys streaming it to Twitter? Why aren't you going to YouTube? And you, everybody knows the answer to that. Um, YouTube is is just not for us right now. So uh, I, I like streaming it to Twitter. It also takes the bricks out of the briefcase. You know, um, I manage a couple monetized YouTube channels. That's work. That's work. This this is just mm -hmm. for fun. Um, no better way to spend your Saturday afternoon. Saturdays, 5 Eastern. Make sure you're following Nerd Cognito on Twitter 
or X or whatever the hell they call it now, and you'll be able to see it. Uh, I guess the other thing that, that I don't like that's lacking from Twitter is I don't have the ability to have a tweet sitting there that's like a repository. You know, on YouTube and on Rumble, you can have the stream set up and folks can wait for it to start. Nobody knows it exists until it actually starts for us on Twitter. So you have to really make a note on your calendar. Twitter, follow NerdCognito, watch the stream at 5. There is no better sit around and shoot the shit with some gaming tangents stream available at that time. Um, what else is going on this week? Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about a couple of things. Um the big to-do right now, and it, it doesn't seem to be dying down, is all of this talk about do you rules as written or do you rule zero? And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a little chat about that on the front end. We've got some news, as always. And on the back end, don't check your iPods. We have a guest <laughs> that is out of character for what we would normally have on Nerd Cognito. And I salute that guest for coming on. We have David Silver of Silver Games, designer and creator of Pony Finder, the campaign setting for Pathfinder and 5E that originally was talking to the ladies on Twitter and they made some sort of joke, which I was proud of them for. <laughs> and uh, he, he said, no, 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 that's not how it is. And they threw out the same line that we throw out to anybody that is in a different school of thought, which is, come on and tell us about it. And David's going to swing by and tell us about it. So we are going in with an open mind, and we're going to see if he can sell me on playing Anthropomorphic Pony. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm interested. <laughs> I'm interested to see what he has to say. And, you know, contrary to the spin in the private servers, I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm pretty easy to talk to. And even if you have a different opinion, it's okay. It's okay. Um, Kyle, I know you're looking forward. Kyle, I know you're looking forward to ponying up, man. Uh, Yeah, you know. I think about glue factories and I think about, you know, wow, I found magic boots. There's two of them. I have four feet. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you know what? Dave had the stones to come on and he knows that he's yes. not coming yes. in, in friendly territory. So when he gets here later today, um, that alone has, has earned some respect. Um, yes. It, yes, it has. And we're, we're never going to shit on anybody. You know, unless you're Scandinavian or you work at a drive-thru in Georgia. So, um, Bert, <laughs> rules. <laughs> you okay there, Kyle? <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm choking. That's okay. That's okay. So are they. <laughs> uh, Bert, <laughs> rule zero. We, we had a little talk before the air, and, you know, you are not in tune with the online tabletop role-playing community. And that is a fucking saving grace for you. Um, <laughs> oh, you mean the guy who will play anything doesn't agree with everybody automatically? Yeah, no, but it, it's it's a good thing because we were saying, you know, we we're going to talk about rule zero and, and the controversy. And Bert was like, 
what rule zero controversy? <laughs> and I, I, I want that level of bliss, but I can't do it. It's, it, it comes with the job. It's part of the territory for me. Um, so you had to take it away from me too. <laughs> well, no, no. I think that, um, well, let's talk about rule zero in general. We're going to, we're going to put it down. Arbitrary vote. You got to pick a side of the fence, Right. You can't be an expert bitch and straddle the fence. You have to pick. Are you rules as written or are you rule zero? Start with Kyle. Rule zero. And here's why. Because it's about creativity and it's about making the best time, the best use of your time uh, for your players at the table. And how you intend to go about doing that and to be quite honest i mean what's what's the old saying ryan about uh it's only plagiarism if it's if you're stealing from something that everybody knows kind of thing um i'm not often lost but you got me there i i, I it's 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 you know i, I don't want to say plagiarizing but the hobby has always had this sort of idea that you can pick bits and pieces right right from right. all these different from all these different sources and create your own thing out of that well, i always say and, great artists create greater artists steal and make it their own okay okay but yeah, that's that's me that's I'm, I'm, I'm nobody right <laughs> well and, and me too I'm a, I'm a no i'm a nobody too but i've been playing a long time i do i think it's important to know the rules yes do i think that you have to do that in fact i think most of the time for for most people it's probably not going to work that great but i mean who knows i mean i've i've played both ways they both have their merits right but if but you're gonna you're gonna make me come down on a side i'm going rule zero bert rules is written or rule zero you got to make a choice I mean, for me, I'm also going to have to go rule zero. I mean, my reasoning is, I would say, pretty similar to Kyle. I've always, when I'm running a game, I want to tailor that game to my players. I want to make that experience for them um, as, you know, as fun as I can make it. You know, uh, sometimes people are not going to be happy with the direction it goes. But ultimately, you know, with the things that I am put for, homebrews with you know you know rules as written don't cover every situation all the time and sometimes you have to adapt on the fly in order to keep the table engaged and the game fun right and i am also rule zero um and i even take it a step further you know there's this school of thought that you have to understand and know and memorize and regurgitate rules as written to apply rule zero. I'm not even that because when it comes down to it, as long as you are equally applying whatever arbitration you're making as a dungeon master at the table, it doesn't matter. If I'm doing something wrong, it doesn't impact the game as long as I'm consistently playing it wrong. If it makes better a, a better experience for the table, I don't know if that's as clear to articulate as it is in my brain. But if we're playing bad, but we're consistently playing bad and having a good time, is it really playing bad? Is what I'm saying. And rule zero sort of dovetails with that, where um, if I need 
to stretch, beg, borrow, steal, or just invent things that happen for no reason other than it is good for my game, then call me Gary Gygax because I'm I'm on board. Um, Gary was rule zero. There's zero doubt about it. Yeah, uh, he he said that he openly breaks his rules as often as he follows them. So uh, right, you know, uh, he, he made a lot of contradictory uh, contradictory statements over the years, and you know the other thing too is people seem to be on this uh, search for some sort of holy grail of the the true D and D or the true RPG experience. And I'm not sure that that, I think it's just a myth. I don't think that that's ever going to happen. The origins of the game itself came from a war game, right? Right. And so what did they do? They took a war game and they, and they fucking rule zeroed everything to <laughs> right. make a new game, right? <laughs> they rule zeroed <laughs> it, so you don't need rulers. You don't need miniatures. You don't need this terrain. Yeah, Right. That's or, where it all came from. Right. And and it's it's better. I'm not shitting on my wargaming folks out there. I know you love it. Right. I I, I can't. I I, uh, I I enjoy a good war game. I enjoy a good war game now and then. I, I really don't because do. you always get the guy that's like, that's not a proper calculation of the distance. You have to bend the ruler. <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> bend the ruler. <laughs> it's just. It, it's a lot, right? And and I'm also very not obsessive compulsive about the miniatures and about the terrain. And I have a <laughs> lot of friends that paint them and create them. Uh, point to Double D, right? Diversity right. and Dragons loves painting miniatures. I can't fathom that. I can't get with that. It's just not where... I am. I don't have the skill. I don't have the patience. And I don't have a practical application for using them. You know, in my board game, tokens are the same as miniatures for me. Is it cool when you've got, oh, I got this big, boom, big miniature. Yes, that's fucking cool. But mechanically, it does the same thing. In my tabletop game, an X on a map or a relative position described by the GM is just as good for me. And I, I'm a theater of the mind guy all the way around. I guess maybe beyond the first deviation, maybe I'm in a, a smaller group and I'm okay with that. So rule zero just fits right in. What I need to do for my game is fine. It also is really good for gatekeeping because if I need to fuck over someone that needs to get the hell out and I don't want to be confrontational out of game i can just make their game unenjoyable and this sounds shitty but it's true <laughs> it I does can, sound ryan, shitty. ryan ryan i can make their game unenjoyable not unfair but unjoyable so that they can gatekeep themselves it works oh man <laughs> think about <sighs> it there was a story that the ladies on Nerd Cognito unearthed this week about some guy that was bitching because he was playing a tiefling paladin. Okay, 
problem number one and his DM <laughs> didn't like it and he argued with his DM and beat him down. Can't imagine that. People shouting at someone until they see their perspective and not listening to any other perspectives. But this guy argued with his DM and beat him down so much that he allowed the character in the game. He finally got fed up with him and zapped him through a portal into one of the nine hells where he was just swarmed by demons and killed. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, it sounds like a fun time. Now, Bert, oh you're, you're not going to be doing that, but you're still going to be manipulating the game inside or outside of the rules for the benefit of your group. True? Yeah, I mean, just to give you an example, I, uh, there's a casual group that I play with. You know, they're not hardcore gamers, but they wanted to play in this campaign setting, and the setting has all sorts of really difficult, like, survival rules where these guys have to track, like, water and food and everything else. Um, and it was a lot of math and a lot of record keeping for guys who just want to get together and play a casual game. And I was like, okay, we'll hand wave some of this survival stuff. You got to have some of it here, you know, because you don't want your characters to starve to death or die of thirst or whatever. But we'll hand wave some of this, you know, record keeping, or I'll take on some of it, which um, changes the rules a little bit, but it still let them have that experience that they wanted. Sure, that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, different ways that people have uh, rule zeroed, I guess, since since back in the day. Um, and probably one of the biggest and most prevalent examples is, uh-oh, I'm going to open a whole nother can of worms here. Maybe this will be the discussion du jour next week. Kyle, it's one word. Encumbrance. Encumbrance. What's your take on that? <laughs> you don't use it? You don't use it? I, I use it, use it. I use it to an extent. My rule, and and Bert can val validate this. Whenever we are playing a game, first session, I tell everybody it's not fucking Final Fantasy. If you're gonna have ninety nine of everything in your pack, it's not gonna happen. You have to have a reasonable pack, and if at any point it becomes unreasonable, I'm going to act on it, and I've never had to act on it. That's like tracking arrows. I don't track arrows because no, 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 no. I want to fight you. I'm never going to fight you. I, 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 I know. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> I don't track arrows, but I also don't give minor loot because I assume that food, rations, arrows, consumables are coming out of those minor treasures. It's just one less brick in the briefcase. Now, that being said, it's for a modern campaign. So something that's running uh, second or third edition, maybe um, maybe 13th age. If I were in a system that had a less fiddly approach to encumbrance, I might do that. So the other side of the coin is, surprise, surprise, I'm making a game. I'm having a lot of internal struggle with how to deal with encumbrance, and I've decided on the video game solution, which I think is perfectly applicable. And I, I, I always say it's not a video game, right? And it's not, but there's nothing wrong with encumbrance slots. 
this weapon is three, this weapon is two, this weapon is one. Boil it down, make it a little easier because when it comes down to the end and when you look at the session from a top-down perspective, encumbrance is not the meat of the session. It's the aggravation right. of the session. So See, for me, the uh, when it comes to encumbrance, the one thing that I've always kind of excluded is the weight of money. They're like, 10 gold pieces weigh a pound. And I'm like, I assume that you converted your currency into something you could carry. No, Gems, no, 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 no. Something like nah, that. Money, do that money has to be considered, but that goes into that Final Fantasy rule, too. If you're telling me you're carrying 10,000 gold coins with you, I'm going to do something about it. No, I, I always just kind of hand wave that, that the characters have converted their currency into something transportable, whether it's gemstones or something like that, that doesn't weigh as much as gold. Kyle's blood pressure is triple digits on both ends. <laughs> Go ahead, I, uh, Kyle. <laughs> I And I... I find myself in a, in a weird position because I disagree with both of you. <laughs> Do um, it. Can I, I think, I think encumbrance is important. Um, I, I don't know that necessarily it needs to be some sort of exercise in keeping a spreadsheet. Uh, I don't know. And I think that if the encumbrance slot system used is well thought out and works, then I think that's fine. Lamentations of the flame princess uses an encumbrance slot system yes. and it's a really good one. It's a really good one. It's one of my favorites. Um, but overall, as far as old school games go, and I'm an old guy, so that's where I go with that. The resource management is an integral part of the experience and arrows, water, rations, uh, torches, uh, encumbrance, all that makes a big difference because it changes certain aspects of the game to make them a bit more it presents additional challenges just beyond here's a monster are you going to fight it are you going to talk to it you know the, right. the typical thing well no um, to it, be fair it injects a go ahead uh, that, to, to be fair you know you're not just going to pull these out of your ass and assume that you have them you do have to have them but i'm not going to track 20 arrows versus 22 arrows you know, I'm mm. if if you have, I would, I would, and and I think arrows and bolts are probably, if you're going to track something, it's the one that makes the most sense when it comes to torches. Uh, again, you can't just pull a torch out of your ass when you need one. You have to have it, and you have to have it on paper. But don't don't tell me you're carrying fifteen torches, right? Mm. And if you're I carrying like fifteen torches. What's going to be the, the trade-off for that? So I guess I'm yeah, fast and loose, rule zero when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, I guess I'm a little less rule zero on that. I think the torches thing is very important because, especially when you're playing the older games where your party is going, typically going to be predominantly human. Right. And you're, you're exploring a dungeon and you're down on the third level and nobody's been keeping track of have we got enough torches to get back to the surface? And now you're in the dark. And have you, have you ever been below ground when there's no light? Oh yeah. It's, 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 yeah. it's unsettling. You're not getting out alive. You know, it injects another aspect that the players have to consider and manage. 
I think that's important because there's just as much danger in that as there is in a bugbear or a gelatinous cube. The mechanic that I love the best about Shadow Dark, right? I, I have my things to say about Darkity Dark, Dark, Dark. But the thing that I do love the best about Shadow Dark is how intensely difficult things ramp up when you're in the darkness. And I, I applaud Kelsey for doing that with it. Oh, Bert, we're three levels under, and Kyle told us we ran out of torches. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it makes a good point, but I don't know. It's, okay, I, let's, let's just <clears throat> let me throw this at you real quick. And I don't know if this will make air or not, but I, I just want to get this out there. Remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes. Okay, great movie. Indy gets thrown into the, into the, uh, whatever the hell that was, all the snakes. Right. Aaron gets thrown in after him. Right. Here's all the snakes. They're using the torches to keep the snakes at bay. Indy, the torch is going out. That adds something that, right there. That does. And, and to what you said about the dungeon, you're, you know, spelunking this dungeon. You're not going into it ill-prepared. You're going to go in and stock torches, you know? So I'm not saying, uh, again, uh, we're not fabricating these torches. Prior to going to that dungeon, the party is going to have an amazing amount of torches. And rule zero, if I need it to improve the table, oh, you're out of torches. We've already burned through six torches. Oh, you are in the darkness. Oh, that tiefling's dead. <laughs> it's all right. Well, you know, and it's it's okay. It's okay. We're we're not gonna agree yeah, on no. any uh, on everything all of the time, and that's one of the beautiful things about this show. I love it. I it's love a, it. It's, I love a, it. it's okay if you. It's okay if you want to play the game wrong. <laughs> okay, Jeffro. <laughs> wow, guys. Everybody's got their own play style. You know, like I said, I guess I make assumptions about the intelligence of my players, like just for some basic stuff. Like I said, like currency. I assume you converted your money to something you can carry. You're not towing a wagon full of gold. Uh, Newsflash, uh, Bert. These, these players aren't all intelligent. <laughs> Have you looked at this community lately? It's it's just uh yeah ryan 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 oh fine <laughs> <laughs> oh so kyle's not as rule zero as he said he was at the beginning <laughs> yeah no i'm still rule zero i know you are my friend i know let's see what do we got this week you tell um, us. You you track the news. Oh, yeah. Don't remind me. Um, we've talked in the past how my prodigal daughter has made off with my Nintendo Switch, right, Bert? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. A couple years ago, it just whoop, disappeared, and I know where it went. <laughs> so, um, I don't fault her, and she's welcome to it. But I've been wrestling for about 18 months with the possibility of buying another Switch. In fact, I actually bought one when the last Zelda came out. 
and I canceled the order before it shipped because I've been wishy-washy on this damn thing because in my brain, Nintendo has been due for a new console for about five years. And I've been just holding off and hold. I don't want to buy a Switch. And then, as soon as I buy it, it's obsolete. As soon as I buy it, it's obsolete. As soon as I buy it, it's obsolete. Guess what? It's obsolete. Devel- oh, really? We got a new Nintendo console coming. Development kits for Nintendo's next console are now with the partner studios, and the p- launch for the console is planned for next year, according to leaks. Um. What do we know about it? What do we know? We know that it's rumored to, that's the word that I'm looking for, uh, to launch with an LCD screen versus the OLED screen. I don't like that. Um, to bring down the cost of the console. Um, hmm. LCD screens crack easier. That Yeah, but yeah, you know, that... cost of the OLED switch has been a real barrier for them. Um the new Nintendo console will accept physical games via a cartridge slot, so they're staying very Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And that's all we know. So it's a hybrid handheld, much like the Switch. No name. Uh, I, I'm almost... There's not a doubt in my mind that these development studios that have received the hardware kits are absolutely under Nintendo NDAs, right? So the leaks that have come out have been probably very low-level people that have had very limited access. Uh, Nintendo has refused to respond to comments in very Nintendo fashion. And uh, the financials point to the time being right for Nintendo to release a new console. So... Okay, so we have rumors, we've got no specs, no... No specs other than the disappointment that it's an LCD screen. Now, here's the thing, though. This is a development kit, right? Could they have just included an LCD screen in the dev kit to keep things down, knowing that the devs are going to be tearing this thing down and hooking it up to to bigger and better monitors for probably 90% of the time? Possibly doesn't also rule out the possibility of having two SKUs like the current switch, right? There is an LCD switch and a, and a OLED switch. Um, True. Cartridge slot. I'm a little bummed on that. They're still doing the physical media thing. I, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm just glad I didn't buy one. So now I can buy the new one. Uh, it was one of those bets that's eventually going to pay off right the gambler syndrome works here because in this case i'm going to be able to get the newer latest greatest thing and 2024 like me going uh i shouldn't buy skyrim because elder scroll 6 is coming right (laughs) well same principle it'll be here eventually (laughs) i probably won't be anymore you know i'm gonna have a coronary in the next five years but elder scrolls will be there so make a dark brotherhood character for me um kyle you're not much of a console gamer huh no no um any gaming i do is pc yep the only and here's the, the the other thing with the switch the only reason that i would buy the switch or Switch 2, or whatever they're going to call it, is for two games. Metroid and Zelda. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. You know, it, it kills me. I don't me think to, you're alone. It, it kills me to sink money into the console for those two games. But the alternative is you've got to sail the Black Seas, and I'm not willing to do that. Creators deserve to be paid. So we'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> I'm just going to read this quick statement because by the time we drop this episode, everyone's going to know about this, but <laughs> I love the backpedaling that the legal department at Hasbro has become so good at doing. <clears throat> Are you ready? Today, yes. we became aware that an artist used AI to create artwork for the upcoming book, Big B Presents, Glory of the Giants. We have worked with this artist since 2014, and he's put years of work into books we all love. While we weren't aware of the artist's choice to use AI in the creation process for these commissioned pieces, we have discussed with him, and he will not use AI for Wizard's work moving forward. We are revising our process and updating our artist guidelines. Boy, that sounds familiar. To make clear that artists must refrain from using AI art generation as part of their art creation process for developing D&D art. Aside... We're creating an AI division for D&D gameplay. Hee <laughs> hee. Uh, it's, yep. it's just amazing to, to live in that world. Um, flash we only make the rules after it becomes a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Flashback to last week. Baldur's Gate 3 is drawing criticism now that it is launched based on a hidden mechanic called Karmic Dice that is on by default. <laughs> so the full version of bg3 has gone gold bert and karmic dice is on by default and buried in the gameplay menu so oh wow that i mean we talked about whether or not you could toggle it on and off if it's that difficult to get to and it starts as on you know that's not that wouldn't be my first preference nothing further nothing further uh, last but not least, a little chuckle from a film that was from our formative years. Uh, while we may not politically agree with Matthew Broderick, we have all watched ad nauseum Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Matthew Broderick, in a recent interview, has finally admitted what he has dodged for years. Quote, what's my legacy? Well, Ferris Bueller, I suppose. I have to accept it. And I like it. I've made my peace with it. Well, good. <laughs> Because he tried to distance himself from that character and that movie, which were both exceptionally dynamic and defining of the genre and the time. Yes. Why would you not be proud of having the pinnacle role in the pinnacle film? Well, Broderick right. finally has 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 come to terms with it. <laughs> Big Ferris fan. Guys, um, yeah, I, I love the movie. Um, it just sounds to me like he's one of those guys that, like, that was my peak, and now I have like a ton of regret and sorrow that I'm not really going to be relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I get the pain of peaking in your early 20s. I was gonna say, I've always loved Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so it's a great movie. You know, I'm just glad that it hasn't like you know, gotten the Hollywood treatment and we haven't gotten a reboot or a remake or 
you know, oh, shut up, seat, Bert. You're going to give him ideas. Ferris Bueller's day off from work, or it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> You're going to give him ideas, Bert. Uh, I would not be surprised that they've kicked around the idea of doing a, and if it's done correctly, doing a 40 year later flash forward to Ferris Bueller is fine, but you know, they're not going to do it correctly now. So let's leave it alone. A side sort of thought after Ferris Bueller was it maybe five years after uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, and I don't have it up, so I can't check. So, so someone's going to say, well, you're, you're wrong. It was 1990, whatever. Okay, whatever. In that time period, I thought that there was an incredibly strong contender to knock Ferris off of the pedestal in Parker Lewis yeah. Can't Lose. Were you guys Parker Lewis fans? <laughs> I never, I've never seen that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Kyle. Uh, it was a, it was a television show, but uh, it, it, it had that, you know, it, it was, I don't want to say Ferris Bueller esque, but it had some of that, you know, some of that feel to it. It but. wasn't Ferris Bueller esque, but it was Parker Lewis as a snide, conniving, incredibly intelligent high school child in peak early 90s full of pastel colors and wearing his shirt buttoned all the way up you know <laughs> um i was a big fan of parker lewis when it originally aired but it much like matthew broderick apparently peaked far too early and uh i want to say by the second or third season they dropped the can't lose from the title and it was just parker lewis and they tried to spin it into a tween drama and it just didn't so, um, but early seasons of Parker Lewis can't lose. Um, it had some legs and I contend that if it were a film and not a television show, it might've dethroned Ferris, but, uh, Hey, Ferris is the sausage King of Chicago. Yeah. Gentlemen, uh, life moves pretty fast. If you know, you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So, hey, we have a guest this week. Um, we've been moderately, mild to moderately teasing it because, A, I wasn't sure if he was going to show up, and B, because I wanted it to be a surprise for everybody that's tuning in and listening. Uh, but we've got David Silver from Silver Games, uh, and he is the designer of Pony Finder. No, don't adjust your 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 podcast player right now don't need to check your phone or your ipod you heard me correct pony finder uh, we, we talked about this kyle um on the saturday stream right on on the speakeasy how uh i was really really impressed that yes. You know, we've we've we we take a little bit of shit sometimes, um, especially from folks that are philosophically misaligned with us. And um, I always say we will talk and have a fair and honest conversation with anybody. And occasionally, some folks come through, but we haven't had one lately. And uh, our guest today 
decided to come up and you know he he's ponying up he's he's bringing his <laughs> game today and he's going to tell us about pony finder and i i think you know the hardest thing for him is going to be he's got to pitch it to to us old guys right so uh, <laughs> want to give a big warm welcome david silver welcome to nerd cognito hello hey dave the way you phrase that makes it awkward. It's like, man, I don't feel young. Am I young? Yeah, I you're younger young. than most of us. So you're the yeah. you're, you're the baby in the room. Enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. You know, <laughs> it, it's a rare event. So not our normal guest spot for Nerd Cognito. We get a lot of designers and creators, but typically, in fact, almost eighty percent of them are exclusively OSR folks. Uh, you don't fit that mold, my friend. No. Tell us about. No, I do not. Tell us about Pony Finder in, in general. Give us the dime store tour. Okay, so you know what? I'm actually going to rewind back in time to what inspired this madness. <laughs> there was a meme going around of here is Pathfinder, but with some uh, some My Little Pony specific main characters done up with character sheets and all this stuff. Oh, here's how you would handle this and that and everything else. And I laughed. Ah, ha, ha. Look at the silliness. The internet is so silly. And then I moved on. And I actually played some Pathfinder. I played a lot of Pathfinder. And then I came back and I saw it again. And I went, these rules suck. I would never allow this in my game. Like, ever. These rules are terrible. Hey, whoever wrote this should feel bad. Um, I could do better. I will do better. That's it. One, one weekend later, I had this little tiny pamphlet of a book that teased at this larger world. And people are like, oh my God, I want more of that. More, please. And I was like, how much do you want more? And then a Kickstarter. And then we had Pony Finder. Da, 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 da. And here we are. And here we are. So it all here started from a meme. Are. It started with a meme and spite. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> spite is a great motivator, right? <laughs> it really is. I, I think people don't give it enough credit. Spite, we understand. <laughs> there you go. Um, but also, my general design philosophy to start with is, okay, we have it as a given that these strange, colorful creatures exist. They have to exist or else this wouldn't exist. So now that we know that they exist, why do they exist? How do they survive? And how do they live? Because we know they exist. And so I had to extrapolate out from that. What what happened? It's a whole world for you to make your own adventure. Ah, ah. Uh, Bert, you dug deepest of all of us into the Pony Finder. I did. Are we going to be playing this next week at the table? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a whole campaign setting. But normally, you know, considering how you guys normally feel about Pathfinder and 5e, I don't know that we're going to be bringing it to the table. But it is mechanically sound and it's very thorough new races new classes new spells so it and the one thing that i really pulled out because I, I i'm looking at the design end of things right uh david for right. if, if you didn't know i'm creating a little something something of my own that's going to be coming out first quarter next year and uh, it is not osr right it's it's it is its complete own system so there are no okay. there are no six stats there is uh 
very little traditional about it. And I'm taking a little bit of guff from from some of my friends in the OSR because of that. But I wanted something to be unique and different. And I wanted something that's going to appeal beyond just the shadow of what we know as the OSR. We know it. We love it. it, it you know, our groups are kind of rooted in it. But that doesn't mean right. that there can't be more. And I look at this and I say, well, shit, I'm probably never going to play Pony Finder. Why should I play Pony Finder? <laughs> okay, that is a great question. To which I would answer with the fact that you don't have to quote unquote play Pony Finder. It's actually designed that you don't have to play Pony Finder. What you're playing is a normal game. You're playing D&D, you're playing Pathfinder 1, you're playing Pathfinder 2, you're playing Starfinder, you're playing any of the many games that we support, even uh, Savage Worlds. Uh, we now have an expansion for it, so Pony Finder is ready for that. Whatever world we happen to have already written up the guidelines for, just play that, and one of your players might want to be a horse, because why not? Or you could have, I guess, a kingdom of horses, question mark, or or, or, or a society of anthropomorphic horses. Uh, yes, so I would point here, out Kyle. the anthro part is kind of limited to wears clothes and talks and possibly has a sword. Fair enough. Kyle, how, how, how are we doing? You ready to pony up? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I, I looked through it. First of all, you got 188 pages of, of work here. Um, I know the last few pages, you know, you have your, your licensing in there and some things like that. But so this is easily... This is easily 175 plus pages of content, um, which I find to be impressive. And I just took flat out honest. That's impressive. It's not my jam, but it's impressive. The layout and uh, the layout and everything is good. It's it's uh, well organized visually. It's appealing. I mean, there, there's a there's a lot of good things, you know, as far as the d design elements that I see personally and don't worry it sounds like you have looked at the core book which is a good book to start with because it's, it's the core book uh but don't worry we've been expanding this uh pony finder is about a decade old now yeah really? about a decade old yeah so we have a lot of books out there so many too many wow don't worry more is coming there's no such thing as too many david <laughs> no don't worry i'll keep writing them until i fall over bert where do you think Pony Finder can or would fit in for someone that loves our playstyle? Well, I mean, for space adventures like Starfinder, you could easily do, you know, a planet where horses are the dominant uh, we're, species. We're, and we're, we're speaking the same language. That's where I, I hate you. You stole where I was going, but go. <laughs> yeah, with, you could, uh, you know, for something like, I could see this being something that you could work into like the Feywild or like uh, a Planescapes type adventure. Right. Like, oh, yeah. yeah no, I, the Feywild is ripe with opportunities to throw them in because they're literally Fey. <laughs> And, and as I was going to say, I would take this to a one of two places, right? I would take it to a space sci-fi fantasy sort of element because I think it would, especially for our audience, for the folks that are listening and saying, Ryan, why are we talking about Pony Finder? I think it would be a boon if you wanted to have a pony-esque world. And that way you're, you know, for... 
for those that are more purists. We're not necessarily invading their purity space, right? You could easily have a world full of ponies. Um, the other end of it that we didn't touch on, and it's a place where I legitimately could see me using elements of this setting, right? And that's Weird sure. West, where something happened, mm. and now we have not necessarily the whole My Little Pony element of it, but now we have, like I said, bits and pieces from Pony Finder that have already done, they've done the hard work for me as the DM, right? I'm able to put these species, I'm able to put these elements into my game and still have it thematically fit and not feel dirty as an old grognard playing it. <laughs> so, Kyle, if we are cowboying up and we're going to do the Weird West spin on of it, right? We're not going right. straight up pure. You know, we're not punching cows. We are... <laughs> Stop. No, but legitimately, you know, there's odd stuff going on. Could I sell okay. you on that game using some pony finder oh oh you gotta put me on the spot like that, i do you? <laughs> you know a great eldritch horror has come down and they've decided that the equine folks of the land are going to be their uh avatars and boom we've got pony finder but not you know <laughs> it would make some My Little Pony folks head for Z Hills, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you say that, but Pony Finder itself already is Eldritch Abomination. Oh, now, now, tell me more about this, David, because now my ears just perked up. Okay, so it is hinted at in the first book, but not gone into super detail, but it keeps getting more and more expanded on as we go. It has been ex uh, revealed at this point. That the ponies at first dwelt under the sea where they were quite happy. Uh, unfortunately, there were already creations of terrible old ones doing what old ones do. But then another one shows up. You know the guy. His name starts with a C and he's public domain now, so I can say his name. Cthulhu comes crashing in, <laughs> crashes into the planet, crushes their god underneath his great and terrible bulk, and sends them scattered across the lands. Which is a new thing for them, because they're not really used to the whole land thing, being swimmers and all. Right, and they were they, happy before, and now they're just scared shitless and insane. Exactly, <laughs> yes. That, that insane fear is actually a large part of what develops a lot of the various pony types. Which is to say, huh. Eldritch Horror is just totally on brand. Oh, I... Well. I, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I'm I'm shocked a little bit, and 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 pleasantly surprised, right? You know, it, it it is a thematic way to make this happen. That honestly, David, it's it's more palatable than where I was going into this. So I think you've done a very good job. Uh, one thing I should point out: we are not My Little Pony. Uh, no. We are. We definitely have magic little horses, and they're colorful and adorable, and they're also, you know, drenching in elder tar. It's all good. <laughs> These two things can work together. So, Bert, Cthonian right. ponies. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things you could do there. Now, uh, as somebody who plays with groups of mixed age groups, I know no kids at your table, Ryan. I know as zero, none. With, 
None. As somebody who plays with mixed age groups, I could see an appeal for some of my younger players with this. Uh, David, mechanically, how yes. balanced are these characters? Like, if you can you put them in a party with humans and and half orcs and the other characters idea. and have them stack up normally? So here's the thing. From the start, I am trying really hard to make balanced stuff. I do not want stupidly overpowered or underpowered options. It should just work with an elf, a dwarf, and that guy's a horse. Awesome. Uh, the thing that will throw people off, the biggest thing, I'll just put it out there. There are some that can just fly because they have wings and they work. Well, they, I mean, in 5e, there are player races that can fly too. Um it is much yeah. more rare in Pathfinder land, both one and two, for anything to just fly because it feels like. Right, and and flight is, is you know, there's a trade-off. Um, in my upcoming book, I have a race that is, uh, they're bird folk, and obviously they have flight. But that was one of the hardest races for me to mechanically balance because of the flight. Uh, so uh, it's it's... It's good that you have it, and I'm really relieved to hear that that was a big focus for you. So, folks can find Pony Finder if they. Is there a preview or so, if they're not ready to take the full plunge yet, David? How yeah. do you recommend someone investigate this to see if it is right for their table? And even if they're not going to run the campaign setting, but more like what I was going to do, which is look at it as a buffet and pick and choose stuff. Um, where- okay, so I, I'm going to give you the the primo link, the okay. link that leads to it all. Uh, head over to books.ponyfinder. There you go. Books.ponyfinder.net. Home base for all things Pony Finder. And uh, yes, all of it. There is a preview there, I, I'm, I'm sure. So we've always prided ourselves on saying, hey, everybody is welcome and we want to hear opinions and look at products that are not in our main wheelhouse because there's no way that we can understand and grow and expand unless we do that and then this is an option and now you know where i sort of came into this saying i don't know that there's anything that i would glean from this i now see a lot of positive where am i going to run the absolute setting no probably not but could i beg borrow and steal as all great dms do bits and pieces of it I think there might be some merit in there. And there's no doubt that the the art is good, if that's your art style that you prefer. There's a lot of love. The editing and layout is good. It is a very solid and professional product. So I encourage everybody, if you have a hint of pony curiosity... That sounds bad, Kyle. Pony curiosity. <laughs> Go to books.ponyfinder.net. Check out all of the materials that are there. There's some free stuff so that you can get a better feel for it. And who knows? You might find something that surprises you, as I did when I discovered that, you know, the ponies have ties to eldritch evil old ones. <laughs> David. Yeah, no, no, that's definitely a thing. David, thank you so much for stopping. Stopping by, I appreciate, uh, again, I appreciate and respect you coming on, knowing that I don't want to say you're in hostile territory, but you're definitely preaching to a much different audience. And I think that, uh, like I said, diversity when it comes to expanding one's options is always a great thing. And and you certainly provided that to us. Uh, 
Yeah, this started in a very interesting way because of that Twitter thread. Do you, you remember the Twitter thread, don't you? I, I was told we have two fine ladies that run the Nerd Cognito Twitter uh, account, but I do I did go in and read it. So uh, they they had me hop in. They're the ones that you originally talked to. <laughs> so, okay. Um, but yeah, it was like, oh, uh, if somebody wants a hug box, they can do Pony Finder. Of course, I'm sitting here laughing. It's like, oh my god, that's not what Pony Finder is, guys. <laughs> no, and, and I'm glad that you actually said that. And you know, it, it wasn't the normal Twitter reaction, which is, oh fuck you, blah 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 blah. It was you had a good discussion and it turned into an opportunity for us to realize that this isn't just a joke product. You know, you can make jokes, but it's not a oh, joke yes. product. It is a certainly sound and well thought out product. And I applaud you for all of the work that you've put into it. David Silver, you can follow him on Twitter. At Silver Games LLC. At Silver Games LLC. So you'll be able to see that. And this world is way bigger and way more established than we gave it credit for coming in. So, David, thanks for coming on. Congratulations on all the hard work. Our stable grows. But thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It was fun. No, it was, it was absolutely a great time. Uh, next time you have something that's popping out, especially if it's dark and evil and not ponyish, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Dave. Oh, I see how it is. Uh, that's how it is. That's how it is. Oh, uh, you know, we've got a reputation to uphold. Well, we need to detox a little bit here. Can't think of a better way than to thank our... Checkmark Hero. Hey, 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 happy August. It is a new month and a new Checkmark Hero. And Sin, once again, it is your turn to be the Checkmark Hero. Uh, Sin is a great guy. Follow him on Twitter at C-Y-N-N-A-M-A-N-D-E-R. Not only an interesting perspective, but he makes some very cool shit of his own. So check out Cinemander on Twitter. He ponied up eight bucks to be the checkmark hero we definitely think that he is well deserving of your follow if you want to be a checkmark hero head to nerdcognito.com find be a checkmark hero at the very top of the page click the button and you are on your way all it takes is eight bucks and a little motivation oh boy i'm i'm still i'm still got rainbows and ponies in my brain kyle <laughs> oh i don't know what to tell you think about the old ones that'll help ah that's right what's coming out of that pony's asshole uh interesting show this week boys we talked about rule zero we skewed into encumbrance as often does we had some interesting news. Uh, David Silver swung by to talk us into playing Pony Finder. I don't know that he talked us into it, but it was a good conversation. And again, I respect the man for coming on, knowing that he was in, well, uncharted waters. So um, anything you guys want to want to bring to the table before we say goodbye to our friends and neighbors? Um, I could spell that, Kyle. Neighbor. N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbor. Neighbor. Oh, I, I'm, I'm spent. I, I've, I've still got ponies dancing. So, um, 
<laughs> I'll take it by your silence that it's time to wrap up. Let's do the things, everybody. First and foremost, tell your friends to subscribe. The only way that you can get the audio is by subscribing at the podcast player of your choice. We don't care if it's Apple or Spotify or Google or iHeartRadio or any of the other ones. All those stitchers dying. That makes me sad. Um, are they officially end of life yet? Not yet. Not yet. But it's it's coming. Uh, anywhere you get a podcast, just search for Nerd Cognito. Subscribe there and make sure that your friends are doing the same. After you've done that, make sure that you are subscribed to the ladies at Nerd Cognito on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, there you can get insight and previews of the stuff we're going to talk about and have good conversations in our end of the hobby. Lots of fun friends follow us on Twitter and engage on our posts, and it's always a good conversation. It's also where every Saturday at 5 Eastern, you can see the Saturday Speakeasy, where usually Kyle and I sit down and just shoot the shit. Uh, you can follow Kyle on Twitter at Dying Breed TT. You can follow me on Twitter at I Hate Ryan David. <sighs> that's it. Plugs are fast and furious this week. Um, I suppose that's that's all we've got for you this week. We want to thank you one last time for tuning in. It's always been a fun discussion. My name is Ryan David. Thank you once again for tuning in. I was joined by Kyle and Bert, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Nerd! I got the horse right here. His name is Paul Revere. <laughs>